Bill Ludlow, thank you very much indeed for coming back onto Evolution Soup all the way from Arizona. You are a member of the Geological Society of America and the Southwest Paleontological Society, and you're a volunteer at the Origins Gallery of the Arizona Museum of Natural History. Now, you've been on both of my channels, of course, Talk Beliefs, talking about creationism, and here on Evolution Soup, talking about new discoveries in the world of human origins. And today we're going to do a kind of a special looking at Australopithecus anamensis, the skull freshly unearthed in Ethiopia. But first of all, you've got some exciting projects on the go, not only the creation science fiction website, but now the Leaving Young Earth Creationism weekly live broadcast. So uh, what can people expect from that new live broadcast? Well, I think it's going to be interesting. The first one went really well this last Monday, uh, September 2nd. Uh, I had Luke Douglas, who actually left Young Earth Creationism fairly recently. I mean, his transition was 2014 to 2016, 15. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he was uh, um, literally what we call a card-carrying member. I mean, he had the lifetime pass to the Ark Encounter and, and Creation Museum. And uh, was was raised in a fundamentalist Christian home, and and now he's the executive director of our local humanist organization here in in the Phoenix area. So um, he kind of went from one extreme to another. He had a great story to tell, and uh, that went re really well. And I've just been toying with the idea for a couple three months now of doing like a weekly show but i wanted it to be just more than just a random talk show where we discuss whatever you know um i kind of wanted something with a focus but yes. at first i thought maybe i had narrowed the focus too much um you know am i gonna find enough people but oh my gosh people are <laughs> are contacting me left and right now uh That's a great subject yeah, and and I did a poll on YouTube, and um, you know Monday night was the best night for me by far. And so, um, how long should the show be, and how many guests should I have on, and um, what time of the the day, you know, that kind of thing. And hmm. and basically, I mean, everybody says you really focus on one guest and do it at nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And make the show really not no longer than an hour, if possible, you know. And and that just seems to be it makes a lot of sense, you know. So that's what we what I'm going to go with. And like I said, the first one went well. Um, I've got some great guests, some people that most people have never heard of coming up, but they got really interesting stories. I've got a guy that hosts a fishing show in Michigan that's going to be on um, some one person that I just scheduled that a lot of people, at least on YouTube that follow YouTube um, would probably be familiar with is Michael Jones of the inspiring philosophy channel. So uh -huh. yeah, he's going to be on October 21st. So, and again, it's not just, so it's not just atheists. You know, we, we have some theists that, that definitely will be on there um, to tell how they left young earth creationism and how it affected them. A lot, of, a lot of them are affected in different ways. So that's so cool, Bill. That's that's uh, yeah. So that started September second, didn't it? Yes. Yep. Just this this last week. Great. Well, before we talk about the new Anamensis skull, I just want to ask you about this 
so-called Lucy Week that the creationists have been throwing out to the world. Now, you've been writing a lot, of course, on the Creation Science Fiction website, and you've been getting a lot of feedback on this, but what exactly is this, Bill? What is going on? Well, what happened? I Somehow I got subscribed to the Genesis Apologetics is the company, their, their email list, probably a couple of years ago. Yeah. And... Um, I got an email from Dan Biddle, who's the president. You know, he sends out these weekly or biweekly emails. And, and I'll just read briefly like the first paragraph. It says, this week, sixth graders across the United States will receive one to two weeks. I'm pretty sure he meant hours or days, but, mm-hmm. um, but of instruction in world history class about Lucy, the famous Australopithecus fossil icon that leads the charge for the evidence for supporting human evolution. Students will make dioramas, life-size posters, and learn about Lucy's kind in the lineup with Homo habilis, Homo erectus, leading the humans. And and then he goes on to um, suggest literature and visit his website and watch the the video that they've made debunking Lucy, et cetera, et cetera. And I was surprised because, you know, I kind of usually hear about stuff if it has if there's something like that, because at the museum we'll hear about stuff like that. So um, what I did was I wrote him back and I said, hi, Dan, can you provide a link to where Lucy Week is mentioned by the government or any public schools? I haven't seen anything advertised about it anywhere, but in your emails. And, and he writes back, hi, Bill, it's not a formally announced thing. It's just that most public schools in sixth grade start out the year and first couple of weeks going over human origins and Lucy is the highlight. So, I'm still, you know, I'm I wish. Googling around. I actually called our local school, sixth grade, you know. Um, yeah. I called elementary school in, in our district here is, is, is kindergarten through sixth grade. So I called the local elementary school. You guys ever heard of a Lucy Week, you know, Human Origins, sixth grade? They said, no, no never, never heard anything like that. So. <laughs> So I write him back, you know, I, and, and I said, hi, Dan, can you provide an example of that? You know, I mean, it's not happening in Arizona with school. I asked, thanks, Bill. And, and one more response was, Bill, it may not be happening in Arizona. Depends on where they teach the curriculum for world history and ancient civilizations, which at least for California begins in the sixth grade. And it's usually covered the first few weeks of school. I mean, he was just making it up. And, and I, you know, I checked around. No one's ever heard of Lucy Week. Now, um, a couple people at the museum where I volunteer had read my blog or heard about, you know, my, saw my Facebook yeah. post. They thought it was a great idea. You know, this it is a is great idea. Good. Yeah. And um, so, so we're joking around with the idea of making a Lucy week. And I, I actually, um, I wore my shirt again in honor of it today. So see, Oh my, yes. I must get rid of it. Yeah. And <laughs> I wore this shirt a couple of days to the museum that week and, and uh, took my picture kissing Lucy's skull. And, and we just had a lot of fun with it. I was making Facebook posts and suggesting books by Donald Johansson and others, you know, that, talk about Lucy and kind of made a Lucy week uh, out of it. And and we had a lot of fun with it. But yeah, it's just another example of, you know, a young earth creationist fabricating something in order to create some excitement and, and possibly sell some of their merchandise or whatever to go along with it. So yeah, and it's probably going to backfire, as you say, because now people are thinking, Oh, this is a great idea. Perhaps we will have a Lucy week. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, here at ASU, they have an actual replica of the Lucy skeleton. Yeah. I mean, you can purchase them, but they're even through a company like Bone Clones or something. I mean, they're at least two or three thousand dollars to get. Oh, something tell like me that. about it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but but we're we're looking at possibly next year, the you know first of September. Um, hmm. Doing a Lucy week <laughs> and, yes. you know, and uh, borrowing it from you know them and and uh, so at least when we do my human origins presentations and stuff, we can focus a little more on Lucy. Maybe have some images and and have an act, the actual replica of the skeleton there. So, and you could yeah. probably start off. You could do a little a show or broadcast or something and say at the beginning, I just want to thank Genesis Apologetics for inspiring exactly. this. This fantastic idea. Yeah, thank you, Dan Biddle <laughs> and Genesis Apologies. You know, they put out some really well-produced videos, um, real slick stuff, but just really full of some pretty bad information. I mean, um, just the typical, you know, young Earth creationist stuff about Lucy's pelvis was altered with a chainsaw and all that stuff, you know. It's oh, just, yeah, yeah, that old chestnut. This leads really nicely to our main topic because Lucy species has always been considered descendants of Australopithecus animensis. But we're going to find that it's even more interesting and complex than that. But let's just get an overview of the species animensis up till this new find. Uh, what's been known about it? Well, that's the thing, you know, up until we found an actual skull, I mean, we had upper and lower jaw. We had other fragment pieces of uh, wrists and legs and and that but we really didn't have um uh and we still don't have a complete skeleton um but we really didn't have a face you know this put a face on the fossil yeah. and it makes a huge difference i mean um now people you know of course there'll be forensic reconstruction done on it and and um you know we'll we'll, we'll get kind of an idea of what uh possibly they looked like so um but really put a, a face on a very important hominid ancestor so you know in the past we've had fossils from at least 20 individuals um but again nothing complete um i mean not even a complete arm or a complete hand you know yeah. so we have pieces um the first fossil found that's now assigned to anamensis was actually back in the 1960s about 1967 but mm -hmm. at the time, there wasn't enough data. I mean, it was just this unusual thing that was found out there. Uh, it was around the mid-90s that Meave Leakey and, and some others um, kind of collected all the data along with some new finds of the upper and lower mandible, the, the mandible and maxilla, the upper and lower, and, um, and then designated the new species, Anamensis. Doesn't really change what we know, but it also uh, absolutely adds an awful lot more to what we know. It gives it a face. Like with a lot of fossil finds, they aren't announced until years after the discovery so that they can be cleaned, studied, described, peer-reviewed, etc. Now, this skull was found in 2016 and announced only last month, August 2019. So what was the story of its discovery? Yeah, it has a really interesting story. Um, there was a, a dig going on. Um, and, and not too far away from, uh, a few miles away from uh, where this was actually discovered. And uh, the gentleman was, I believe it was cleaning, or no, he was digging hole, digging a new hole in his goat pen and, yeah. and ran across the jaw, you know. And um, so I, at first it was hard for him to convince 
the paleoanthropologist at the dig to come and take a look at it because I guess he gets a lot of dead ends. You know, he ends up finding a mm. big tooth or something. You know, so but I, I believe he actually took the the um, the jaw into it, the maxilla. Yeah, he he took it um, to the dig site, marked where he'd found it, and the guy got interested and you know not too far when he finally hiked the two and a half miles back into this farm and and entered the goat pen not too far from it he found most of the rest of the skull so uh the story goes he was jumping up and down and laughing excitedly and people thought he was crazy you know <laughs> so but i think anybody would be i mean it's a, a really important find oh yeah um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised they haven't given it a better nickname. I mean, uh, it's MRD right now, so it'll probably be nicknamed Mr. D or something coming up, you know, because, yeah, we got Lucy, which was a great name, you know, named after Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, but again, it, it puts a name and a face on a fossil, you know. Um, we've got Artie for Artipithecus. We've got Mrs. Plez, you know. Littlefoot. Um, yeah, Littlefoot. Um, you know, uh, but but... MRD, you know, like I said, maybe it'll be called Mr. D. I don't know, but a great story on the find, you know, definitely. Um, somebody stumbled across something, and luckily enough, they recognized that, you know, it could be important. So, mm. well, we mentioned the relationship between Anamensis and Lucy's species, Afarensis, before that the thinking had been that one had evolved, you know, neatly into the other, but that's all changed now, hasn't it? Well, yes and no. I mean, um, Anamensis is the only documented fossil we have between Artipithecus ramidus and Lucy species, uh, um, you know, Australopithecus afarensis, mm -hmm. as far as, you know, uh, hominin species like that. However, um, they they were close geographically. That was one thing. Um, you you look at the Homo heidelbergensis and Homo erectus. You know, Homo erectus um, overlapped with Heidelbergensis. It overlapped with Neanderthals, even archaic Homo sapiens and Denisovans. So you know we can have an ancestral species overlap, although it's unusual. To, to see it in the same geographic area like that. So that is different. But by 100,000 years, um, Australopithecus africanus and afarensis also overlap by at least that much, if not more. Um, but, but they're in different geographic regions. One's South Africa, one's East Africa. So, you know, the biggest thing that we've learned in the last 20 years is that at any given time, there were many different species around. So I, I think that um, it, it's not unusual. And what, what I know Tim White and some others are saying that, you know, it's possible that some of the species of uh, Anamensis became isolated or, you know, went in one direction while some others, uh, another mm -hmm. population didn't. And so one gives rise to afarensis while the other ones are still hanging out for a while stay with us we'll be right back hi and welcome to hiss and tell a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host me christina wilson a professional animal behaviorist each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. 
Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. Right, so this new find shines new light not only on the species Anamensis, but upon the whole genus of Australopithecus, isn't that right? Well, yeah, I mean, it does shine a light on differences between Anamensis and, and Afarensis, for sure. Um, some differences that we didn't know before. And um, it, it was very primitive, very small brain, uh, in mm. some ways close to Artipithecus raminus. And, and remember, Artipithecus raminus, there's only about 2 million, no, 200,000 years difference, you know, 4.4 versus 4.2 for uh, the difference in age between Anamensis and and Ramidus. So um, that's not surprising that it would share some real primitive features with them, but it also um, shows some more derived features, you know, closer to um, Lucy species, you know, uh, Australopithecus afarensis. We're probably going to find more specimens. They'll probably shed more light on it. I'm sure there'll be a focus on that now. But one of the things that we didn't hear a lot about, and I remember reading about it at the time thinking, this is kind of a big deal, but unfortunately there were no other fossils to go with it. It was announced back in 2012 in Nature that there was a hominin foot found at 3.4 million years old, in the Afar Valley, where Lucy's species was found, with an opposable big toe. So we're talking a million years after Artipithecus ramidus. There was still a, a species out there with a big toe like our thumb. Because already has that, doesn't he? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Already has the opposable big toe, but we don't see it in Lucy species. So mm. something was running around a million years later in that same area with an opposable big toe. Now we haven't found any foot fossils yet of Australopithecus anamensis. Is that, could that be anamensis? We don't know. There's nothing yet that associates it with it. Now it's kind of strange that some of the earliest fossils or when, when they collected the information for anamensis, they basically found some scattered fossils here and there. And based on the same age, they've grouped them together. But this one's even younger, you know, wow. this is even younger. So this is at only 3.4 million years old, only 200,000 years older than Lucy. And her species, you know, goes um, hundreds of thousands of years older than that. So it, it's going to be really interesting. It could be possibly that Anamensis had feet like Artipithecus, um, yet with some features closer to Afarensis. So, A real transitional form. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, one of the things is you just, you see, uh, you don't see a gradual, you don't see a, no. Uh, half opposable big toe and and i don't know that we'd really expect to see that you know um so but but uh again one foot has been found and uh it was discovered it was announced back in 2012 um and it definitely shows that there were other species around at that time you know uh, when lucy's species was around so this yeah. if, if you take it, 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 nobody has mentioned that in any of these articles so um but it's not the first species or the first other hominin that we've discovered that would have been alive at the same time as Lucy. So, so I think this is what they call the, uh, they're calling the braided stream uh, rather than, you know, the, the tree. Uh, of course, originally it was this mm -hmm. 
linear progression they thought and then the tree that the bush now they're talking about the braided stream where things overlap and and things branch off and then they rejoin again a bit like what happened with uh, humans and neanderthals is that what's going on here i think so yeah and i think mm-hmm. what we see you know what we see with what has happened with homo sapiens homo heidelbergensis neanderthals and denisovans is probably what happened also two, three, four, five million years ago. We just hadn't found a lot of the fossils yet. Um, you know, it's it's easier to find these 50,000, 100,000 year old fossils than it is these, you know, three to seven, six million year old fossils. So um, I, think it, I think throughout our evolution, our ancestors' evolution, you, you're gonna find that there were more than one species alive at one time and the next level, I mean, once these have gone extinct, is a combination of those that went before them thereof. It's not always a, a step-by-step ladder-like progression, for sure. Right. Okay, Bill, when we look at the skull of Animensis, there appears to be a ridge along the top here, which I know is quite possibly a sagittal crest, which means there's a lot of uh, chewing muscles attached to that, which reminds me of the paranthropus line. So do you think there could be any relationship there? Yeah, the timing is right. You know, at, at uh, 3.8 million years ago, um, and we see the paranthropus uh, emerge around two and a half million years ago. So we know that it would have had a common ancestor with uh, other species alive at the time, say Africanus, um, mm. that would have had to have existed prior to that and so um the timing's definitely right now that sagittal crest like you said it, it, it assists with chewing i mean it's basically a ridge that goes you know across the straight back on the top of the head um and it's for attachment for just large jaw muscles you know our our jaw muscles end here you can feel them when you chew there and but they just go right to the top of their head like a modern day gorilla and to some extent chimpanzees so gives them this big round face um and and you know they have this huge jaw so uh helps them work that jaw um again the timing is right it's very possible that anamensis could have been or something alive closely related to it at the time could have been the uh, common ancestor with Paranthropus and, say, Australopithecus africanus. Definitely. That's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, that means that they, they were chewing a lot of tough sort of like, I don't know, gra- uh, tubers and branches, things like that? Usually that's what we're, we're implying that, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, they're, they're going to be herbivores and uh, high volume of food intake and, and tough foods or grasses, you know, chewing chewing a lot so um need for those uh jaw muscles you know to to eat like that right so now we have a nice cranium of anamensis to put on display in museums nicely filling in that gap of hominid skulls that we see so i guess it won't be long before you have a replica in the uh origins gallery at your museum hey bill you know, I, ha- I, I've already checked bone clones catalog. I've checked them online, you know, which is updated obviously a lot quicker and, and uh, nothing there yet. So, um, I'm hoping that they get something out cause it would be nice. And, you yeah. know, right now we have an artipithecus on the wall, but for a, a basic human origins presentation, we start with Lucy and I have a little sign up there that says meet Lucy and, and 
one of the great reasons to start with Lucy is because so many people have heard of Lucy. And, of course, the children haven't, but the adults, you know, if, if you're over 25 years old, or you've heard of Lucy usually. I mean, um, just somewhere along the line, if you were alive in the mid-70s when it was discovered and following any kind of news, you've heard of Lucy. It was a big deal, still is. So, um, you know, it's always great to start with Lucy, but... Um, we are looking at doing a more permanent human origins display there going back about 7 million years. Right now, everything we have is uh, manned by volunteers. It's a hands-on thing where I can actually put a skull in a child's hand. They're all plastic replicas, of course. And while we're talking about it with them, and, and that's great. But um, uh, So we have it manned about five days a week on average now. But... You know, eventually we're going to have a, a full display, permanent display of it, which, um, you know, I'm sure we would definitely want to include something like this. Now, I haven't checked to see if they're available to 3D print. Um, that's mm-hmm. one of the new things coming out, you know, like with uh, Lee Burger's finds, uh, Australopithecus sediba, Homo naledi. You can literally go online and download the files. And if you have a 3D printer or access to one, sometimes it might even be your public library that has those. You can go down and, and print yourself a copy of that skull. So, um that is, uh, you know, I haven't checked to see if they're done anything with three, 3D printing, but I probably would have read it by now if they, you know, just uh, just researching it, you know, uh, this, that if it was available. But, um, but yeah, definitely. I'd love to have that skull. Um, there's some other ones I'd love to have, too, going back to even older. But that one's going to be really important because it is so complete and it is so close and in line with Lucy. So. And as you say, it, it puts a face finally on the species, doesn't it? Right. So that's mm-hmm. a great thing. Thank you so much for coming on to Evolution Soup again to talk about this exciting new find. Uh, we'll be linking up again, of course, to discuss all the human origin discoveries of the year. And I really look forward to that. So uh, again, if anyone's interested in following your work, I'll put uh, links in the description below. And uh, just end by saying a big thank you for championing uh, evolution, science, and evidence. You're welcome, and thank you. If I can add one more thing for those people that are going to watch this before September 21st, if you're in the United States, um, there's a Smithsonian Magazine uh, Museum Day that's going to be happening. You have to go to the Smithsonian Magazine website to get tickets, but they're giving away free tickets to museums across the country. And hundreds of museums are participating in this. And I will be at the Arizona Museum of Natural History here in Mesa talking human origins from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. that day. But, you know, if if you're anywhere in the U.S. and you'd like to go to your local museum, um, check that smithsonian magazine website for availability of tickets because tickets are going pretty fast right now Mm. but that's just a great thing for anyone that that um wants to plan something to get out and and it'd be free that day for you too so fantastic thank you so much for that bill and uh hopefully catch up with you again very soon thank you